The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. But Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no relations with a man? And the angel said to her in reply, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her, who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible for God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. As we gather on this day, we do today what we've been doing every year now for four years in a row. On the very last day of the liturgical year, we pause and we take time with Our Lady to prepare ourselves for what comes next. Bluntly put, Advent does not start tomorrow. Advent starts tonight. With the falling of the sun today, the church begins its celebration of Advent. Advent is one of those seasons that tends to catch us by surprise, doesn't it? You know, we, we Catholics are odd people. We'll spend weeks asking people, what are you doing for Lent? But we never hear, what are you doing for Advent? Advent comes, it arrives, either it's Thanksgiving weekend or the weekend after. We've been busy with so much. And then the world around us goes headlong into a secularized, commercialized, shallow preparation for Christmas, which is understood as a time of merely worldly joy and celebration. And we find ourselves getting caught up in all of that. Advent requires a game plan. And so it is important that before we get into Advent over these last hours, before the season starts, to pause a moment and just say, what are we going to be doing? Because this year, Advent is as short as it possibly can be. The fourth week of Advent is Sunday, December 24th, and then it's over. And so we have less time than usual to go through the season, even more so than should we be prepared. 
And preparing ourselves from Advent is not so much first and foremost a matter of concretely what are those things we're going to do, but what is the perspective? What is the attitude of the heart and the soul out of which we will be doing them? And that's why the readings that we have at our Mass today, where we celebrate the beautiful title of Our Lady, Gate of Heaven, are so very important to us. They begin in our first reading with the issue of fullness. In the fullness of time, God sent his son. That's a mysterious, a beautiful, a remarkable expression, which is also difficult for us to understand. So let's begin there, the fullness of time. And consider your days. And is not so much of how we live an experience of the emptiness of time. The way time slips through our fingers and we lose it without even being conscious of how we've spent it. Isn't it interesting that if we ask what our time is filled with, we're embarrassed to give an honest answer. It's filled with so much anger, so much resentment, so much pettiness, so much emptiness, so many distractions which, while they're not horrible things, also don't really add anything to life. That's not the fullness that the Lord is speaking about in sacred scripture, but it is what we know. One of the complaints is, I have no time. And yet when we say, what occupies your time? So much of it seems, when we look at it, so empty, so shallow. Our Time is cluttered, and it's full with clutter. In the fullness of time, God sent his son. Because fallen man lives in time that is largely empty, time that is largely insubstantial, time that's so easily filled with emptiness. Strange thing to say, but it's the truth. Our lives are easily and often filled with emptiness when our scripture speaks of fullness. A change from time that is empty to time that becomes substantial. Because if something is truly full, it's substantial. It's not shallow, it's weighty. And to say that time is full is to say that there is not an instant that goes to waste. It's to say that there is not a moment that is insignificant or unimportant, but rather that there's a gravitas about time. On our own, we can't reach that. And yet we're told that there's a moment, that there is a point where time and all of its fallenness and all of its emptiness and all of its shallowness becomes full. And what do we see at that moment where time becomes full? A woman is there. She doesn't appear randomly. She doesn't appear out of nowhere. She doesn't arrive by accident. Note how deliberate St. Paul is. At the point time became full, 
God sent his son, born of a woman, born for you, born for me. This fullness of time of which the apostle speaks involves us. Time is not simply full for the Lord. Time is not simply full for the woman. But the fullness of time involves that point where someone comes to fill and save and redeem the emptiness of our lives. How remarkably powerful that really is. How remarkably beautiful that little expression, the fullness of time, proves to be. And as we look at this then, what do we see? At the point of the fullness of time is the woman, full of grace. Fullness of grace at the fullness of time. And that is how Jesus Christ of whom scripture says, from whose fullness we have all received, comes into the world. He comes into the world only one way, through Mary, with Mary, in Mary, by Mary. And as he comes into the world, time is made full. But so that he comes, there is one who is full of grace, who waits for him. This is what we see in our gospel reading. The point, the moment where the fullness of time has arrived. Time has become full and the world doesn't know it. Time has become full and all of those who have been looking and waiting for that moment are unaware that the day has arrived. And then it happens. The announcement is given. The oddest announcement in the history of the universe. Because only one person hears it. Normally announcements are public speaking, aren't they? You go over the loudspeaker, you use an extra loud voice, you make sure everybody hears you. And what does heaven do? It makes an announcement to the entire universe by speaking to one person. Her name is Mary. And at this moment, something marvelous happens. At this moment where the angel comes in and gives her that mysteriously beautiful new name, Hail, filled with grace, the Lord is with you. The moment that the fallen world has been longing for since Adam and Eve fell into death in the garden, has come. No one knows, but it has come. The world has been waiting. The world has been watching. And if not for the one who is full of grace, the world would be caught completely unaware. But it's not caught completely unaware because she is there. Note how beautiful that is. Note how beautiful that is knowing himself that on its own the world will not be ready for that moment, the Lord assures that readiness will be present, that there will be one capable of responding out of the fullness of her life,
the fullness of her heart to that one whose fullness is even greater than hers. How exquisitely beautiful this is. The fullness of grace at the fullness of time. And what do we see as we look at this? We see, as St. Louis de Montfort so beautifully pointed out, that for centuries, centuries upon centuries, the world groaned for salvation. For centuries upon centuries, the people of God cried out to heaven, send down the just one to us. David prayed like that. Moses prayed like that. Abraham prayed like that. The prophets prayed like that. And the just one didn't come. The world groans. The world calls. And for all of that longing and all of that groaning, something is still missing. Until one, this one, filled with grace, groans too. And as she shares the longing of a world for salvation, as she makes the longing of her people her longing too, as she adds her prayers to theirs, all of a sudden the groaning of the world reaches higher. All of a sudden, the longing of the world has a power it never did before. And the hunger of a world starving for justice and goodness and rightness finally has a hearing. And the just one comes. Note how powerful that is. But her prayer is not her private prayer. Her longing is not her private longing. It is the longing of a universe that needs salvation. It is the longing of a world that has fallen. It is a longing of a people who struggle to hope in a promise. Advent means coming, implying arrival. Note the circumstances of the coming, the arrival of Christ. And here, note how this one, so humble and so quiet, fills her heart, actually, with the longings of the world and adds the fullness of grace to them and calls out to heaven. We often make the mistake, we Christians, of thinking Advent is about our private preparation for the Lord. Oh, it involves that, but it involves so much more. Our prayer crying out for the Lord to come has to be a prayer that speaks out on behalf of a world that doesn't even know where to turn. Our prayer rising to heaven can't just be my private act of piety, although it is that. It has to be a calling out of the woundedness of the families that live in my neighborhood. It has to be a calling out on behalf of more than me. Because so much of the time of the world is still empty, filled with emptiness. It must not be that way for us. Because the simple fact of the matter is, note what Paul says. 
at the fullness of time he came. Did time become empty again afterwards? No. Time is still full. The fullness of time is for us. From the fullness of the Lord we have all received. Advent is that season every year where for several weeks the church moves toward that fullness of joy of Christmas and looks toward that great fullness of joy when the Lord comes again. But recognizing that now in between there is a fullness that we are called to enter into, to embrace and to lead. How wonderful that is. How beautiful that is. And note how in our responsory today, which are the words of Our Lady's hymn, the Magnificat, tucked right in the middle as she celebrates the great things God has done, what does she say? He has filled the hungry with good things. And the empty and the rich, who are filled with so many other things, are given emptiness. In a sense, that's the fundamental dynamic of Advent. To quicken again in our hearts our hunger for peace, our hunger for goodness, our hunger for justice, our hunger for rightness, our hunger for the Lord, because all of us in our own way still starve for him, still long for him, and to surrender that hunger and to open it that he might fill it, and to remind ourselves in a world that over this season wants to fill our lives with noise, with distraction, with clutter, with things, that when we fill ourselves with them, we cannot possibly be more empty than that. The fundamental movement of Advent, and note how wonderful it is, that this is the lesson Our Lady holds before us today. She did not fill herself with those things. She, originally filled with grace, remains filled with grace. And the one who is filled with grace in the fullness of time becomes filled with Jesus Christ as the word becomes flesh. One of the most beautiful and most ancient titles of Our Lady in the Christian tradition is this beautiful name, O you who are more spacious than the heavens. Imagine that. Little Mary, mysteriously larger than the night sky that you look up at. Bigger than that. And why? Because in the small confines of her life, she enclosed the God that heaven cannot contain. But the fullness of time is not just for Mary. It's for you and for me. And note how wonderful it is that we reflect on these things here. Because from this altar, he will come whom we long for. He will come because we are hungry. And he comes to fill us with all that is good from his fullness we have all received. Note how wonderful that is. On this very day, the Lord feeds the hungry with the best of things, with his very self. 
And note what that says about you and about me. Difficult as it may be to believe, but today, for at least a few minutes, we can say of ourselves what the church has long said of Our Lady. Oh, more spacious than the heavens. For within you, today, is the God whom heaven itself cannot contain. Advent is the season where we remind ourselves of that, where we look to empty ourselves of all that would take that fullness from us, so that when the day of Christmas comes, our joy at the birth of the Savior is a joy that likewise looks forward to that day when he comes in the fullness of his glory and everything will indeed be made new and full in him. Amen.